Hey, everybody. Welcome back to View from the Mount, where we talk about real-life issues through a biblical lens. I'm Matt. I'm here, as always, with Jason. And today, we're going to talk about what is love? Don't start, don't start singing. All right. He, he promised he would not start singing, but I'm reminding him of his promise. So love is this term that gets thrown around a lot. Um, and I think it's really important, just as we start out, to decide what Christian love should look like, what does God's love look like, uh, what does the word love mean? So we should probably define our term right from the get-go. What do we mean when we say what what is love? Well, I think, Matt, I think you're absolutely right that one of the one of the words that's most overused and misapplied is this word love. Uh-huh. So it it's it's not just uh, some side thing. This is incredibly important because it's a a horrible defining of love that's led to so many problems, right? right? So you know, marriages are you know collapsing left and right. Divorce rate is through the roof. And the thing you'll hear all the time people say is, well, I just fell out of love. Yeah, that that gets said constantly. And it, it kind of irks me because <laughs> we understand what love is. And it, I think partly maybe it, the problem is that there's a there's a language issue. You know, English has one word for love, basically, right. whereas, you know, some of these older languages had a lot of different words for different sorts of love. Um, well, you're, you're, you know, you're right. We use that, you know, I love steak. I love Duke basketball. I love my wife. So I'm using the same word to speak about things to incredibly varying things to varying degrees. Right. And I think though, we can still sort of define at its core, what does love mean? And then we can, you know, apply that. Well, can we, before we define it, can we, can we speak about what it is not? Yeah. I think we should do that. So like love is not a feeling. Right. And that eliminates the falling into and out of love. So you know, we're obviously going to get to the love of God mm-hmm. in, in our discussion, but we think romantically about love, right? That's how it's used most often yeah. is in a is in romantic setting. And, and so just using that concept, that idea with how our society views relationship, marriage, whatever else it is. We have this whole process, right, where you meet somebody and you're goo-goo eyes for them, and then after a while you fall in love. And I have no idea what that really means. I don't know if anyone does. It has some concept of how they make you feel, what feeling they evoke. Yeah. And, uh, and there definitely is a an emotional component. When we love someone, the result is often there's a feeling that goes with it. But we've mistaken the feeling for for the real thing, right? With with love. So an example I've heard a lot of times is, you know, as marriages go on, sometimes People find that that excitement, that that passion for each other might go out of your relationship. And so people will say, I've fallen out of love. But what we see is when people actively demonstrate love, they make right. that decision to treat that other person with love, that feeling will return. You well, know? You're, you're, you're given the definition, which is fine. I, I, you know, if we're saying love is not a feeling, then you're suggesting correctly, I think, that love is about doing. It is, yeah. And it's about, you know, we've, we've thrown this definition around a lot in the church, which is, we'll say that love's doing the best, thinking the best and doing the best for someone else. Um, and following Christ's example, that goes all the way up to self-sacrifice, sure. you know? And so that's something we decide to do. We and decide, and it's hard to do. It is hard to do that. It's hard to choose to love people. When, which when is why, why, we, we, can, like why we can be told to love our enemies. That yeah. doesn't mean we're going to feel... Uh, Shivers in our liver, right? 
about our enemies, but we will choose to think the best and do the best yeah. for for them uh, in, in, in that sense. So it, and, and it's why, you know, when God commands us, love one another, mm-hmm. right? He can't command us to have an emotion. No, it's not something most people can do because they've been told to do it. If someone yells at you to feel happy right right now, you're probably not right. going to feel happy. You might feel the opposite of that. Right. So like if, if we bring this to marriage or bring this to relationships, the absence of romantic love, the absence of a feeling of love does not destroy your marriage covenant. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a decision. So like all around the world, uh, or, or at least a, all around the world mostly, and then up until modern times, the idea of, of relationships, there's prearranged marriages, and they mm. worked. You know, and I, I understand there's a lot that goes into that. Sure. That, but they worked because people understood love is this decision yeah. that, hey, we're going to enter into this arrangement we call a covenant, and we're just going to decide yeah. that we're going to love each other. Yeah. And I, I think there's even a misapprehension. So let's say everybody buys our definition that that love is something that we decide to do, and that means doing the best for people and treating them uh, as we'd want to be treated, that kind of thing. I, I still think it's being misapplied because, you know, what is the goal of that? We talk about doing the best for people, but what does that look like? Because very often mm-hmm. what people think now in the world and even in the church that love means is that you desire above all else that people are happy, right? That they have whatever makes them feel good and are happy. In right, the or, or let love and you – know, the thing I hear is like love and truth are in opposition. Right. You know, I can't speak the truth to you because then that would be unloving because it might hurt your feelings. Right. And that's unloving to hurt your feelings. And, and we see, you know, all these different commercials, you know, love has no labels, that kind of thing. And it's right. all sort of this – it's all springboarding off this idea that just love is. It's like this force that exists and it comes over you and goes off of you, you know, of its own volition almost, and you have no control over it. You love who you love, you love what you love, and let's all just encourage right. one another in that. And and I think the church even has bought into that. And that's why you'll see church people trying to rationalize their way around certain biblical teachings because based on the world's definition of love, some of the things that the Bible says are unloving, right? And that's because we don't understand what biblical love is. Well, we can't have a discussion of love without understanding that that's founded on truth. Yeah. Love love without truth can't exist, right. it, it, or at least it's a flimsy foundation. So love compels me to speak the truth. Yeah. Love uh, is, is founded in, in, in truth, so... Uh, me speaking the truth to you, hard truths. Now, I can speak the truth unlovingly. Right. And that's wrong. Right? The Bible tells us to speak the truth mm-hmm. in love. Yeah. So you can have truth without love, but I don't think you can have love without Not truth. real love. Not real love. Not real love. You can have a shallow, I think you can have a shallow facade of it. Yeah. But not a, a, not a real deep, substantive, agape love. Yeah. And, and I think I think on some level people know this because- you know, you look at some of these things like uh, like when people have an intervention for for a loved one who's got a drug problem. I mean, they're likely to upset that person, to right. hurt they their do feelings, to speak a hard truth to them and say, hey, you're really out of bounds here. This is not good for you. We love you too much to allow you to go yeah, on this right. way. And so people do know this. They just only apply it selectively. Right. And we understand this biblically, right? God disciplines those he loves. Yeah. And, and so love does not remove any barrier from t- telling the truth, from discipline, from hard conversations, and speaking the truth. And this is like 
one of my major pet peeves with our society and as liberalism takes root, uh, it, it has this idea automatically that if I take a strong position on something, uh, that it's automatically unloving. If I speak the truth to somebody, it's automatically unloving. And that's not true. It's yeah. not automatically. Un- it can be. Yeah, it can be. And, right. and, and, I, and I know lots of people that have the right positions and stand by them in an unloving way, and they're wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and I think a lot of this, obviously, I know we've talked before on on this show and just in general about how a lot of what's going on in the world is motivated by sex. And so love and sex have, have sort of almost been interchangeably uh, used those two words. And so a lot of this, these issues where people bring up love has no labels. It's really what they want permission to do what they want to do sexually without there right. being any sort of a moral transgression. I, mean, man, I think that's, I think that's right on because right away I start to, to even uh, try to define this as you're saying that, I'm trying to define and process that in my own mind. So if I'm commanded, we're commanded to love one another. Yeah. You're a dude most of the time. Right. I, I'm a dude. And if I, but if I looked at you and it's like, man, I love you. Yeah. I, I understand that you don't mean that in a, you know, a sexual way. But, but even then, like we're, we, there is this re- weird recoil. Like we don't tell each other. Yeah. And, and maybe that's our own problem. And, and, and it's not as much about telling as, as demonstrating, but but most time, two Christian dudes don't look at each other and be, hey, I just want you to know I love you. Right. I, I, I think we should, you know, be able to do that without whatever sexual undertones. Yeah. But, but it has become this synonymous thing. And so You're right. when, when, when people want to do something sexually, they, they equate that to love. I can't help who I love. Well, no, it's not that you love them. It's that you are sexually attracted to them. There is the difference. Now, now, listen, I'm not saying sex and love aren't interrelated you know we should we should keep that within the bounds of our marriages that should be a loving well, there's a concentric I mean, a, you know there's right. there's overlap but there's not they're not all it's not all overlap correct and and that's what the benefit of like uh, you know the greek language was you know is the very specific terms yeah uh you know for love you know and and man you know we've heard this probably many times like the four different loves and and the mm-hmm. greek language but they were very specific and helpful where, where the English language just uses that in such a broad way and misdefines it. So we, you know, love is, you know, and, and as much as what love is, lo- we know what love is not. Love is not feeling an emotion primarily. Correct. Not, it, you know, it, it doesn't say it's not feeling or it's wrong to have the feeling, but my obligation to love you remains whether or not I feel it, whether or not I feel that I love you, I have to show and demonstrate that. And I believe, Matt, that once I have decided in my mind that I'm going to act in love towards you, I believe feelings start to follow eventually. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely correct. Um, and, I, I, you know, we've all experienced that. When when we allow ourselves to be hostile to someone, that causes us to feel even more hostile toward them. But when you're kind to someone, when you treat someone with kindness, I think our emotions do follow suit. So, so let me ask this, Matt. I think it was Tertullian that said something like uh, about the Christians, see how they love one another. Yeah. What what was it that he observed in them that was so strikingly different? And, and and like when he said love see how they love one another, what was he seeing in them? Obviously it's not some sexual pagan ritual, you know, no. or anything like that, but what so what did he see? I thought he's I think he saw something that was sacrificial. You know, so okay. often you know in today's culture in America, that's what I can speak most, you know, to because that's where we are, but 
love is very self-centered thing. You know, we, you mentioned it briefly before. It's all about how that person makes me feel. It's all me centered. They loved each other in a way that was sacrificial. You know, these yeah. people were being cast out of their families. They had nothing. So then I go and sell my stuff so that I can give to that right. person. Or opening your home, hospitality, uh, the hospitality. That, right. So there was something unique about what, what that did. Yeah. Not about what that, you, I, I can't see love. I can't see the feeling you have of love towards them, but I can see the way you treat people. Yeah. And I think primarily, probably in the early church, what they were seeing was that love in response to persecution, right? They were loving well, those yeah. who were cruel to them. And, right. and that, that's not a human giving. reaction. That's, that's very, that's very uh, superhuman. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, there's something supernatural about loving people who hate you. And I think and, that's what and demonstrated. there's something that was, look, there's something that has to be Christian, unique to the Christian circle, yeah. right? That there's something that's un, unnatural right. about, about that because I, I think that human beings tend to be incredibly selfish. And I think that the Bible teaches that if anything left to our own devices, mm-hmm. human beings are capable of incredible evil. I, I don't think that the human story is left to our own. We're going to be good and we're going to do good things. I think Romans 1 says, hey, if you guys, if human beings are capable of some really bad stuff. Yeah. So so when, when you see Christians deciding to love one another, that's not normal. Yeah. There's something uniquely Christian. I'm not saying that hit or miss other religious groups, non-Christians, unbelievers, don't demonstrate loving behavior sometimes, because yeah. they do. Right. And so kind of boiling this down a little bit, We've, we've talked about that love isn't just some feeling that comes over us. It, it is something that we choose to do. It's a volitional thing. It's something we're commanded to do. And, and so now we have to base that on truth and we have to establish, okay, there is real objective truth. I know we've been told a thousand times there's my truth and there's your truth and there's Oprah's truth and whatever. Everyone, that's nonsense. There, There is truth that exists independently of how we feel about it. And the ultimate example of that, obviously, is is God's word. That Ab- gives us truth. Absolutely. Um, and Christ said, I am the truth and, right. and the way and the life. And so if we're going to base our love on that sound truth that God's given us, um, we, mm. we have to kind of understand what that looks like. And so we read in the scripture that God is love. And that gets thrown around a lot. Again, it, it's kind of this misconception because they'll say, well, God is love. And so he wants me to be happy and or, I can or, do whatever yeah, or, I want. And I Great. think the idea, you know, God is love. So he, he, he won't, he won't punish me. He right. won't judge me. There will be no eternal condemnation. Uh, now look, we, what we don't want to do is undermine or dismiss the fact that God is love. Yeah. It doesn't say God is loving. Mm-hmm. It says God is love. Yeah. So encompassing his very nature yeah. is the idea that God is love. He's the perfect example, perfect model yeah. of love. And we see it demonstrated through Jesus uh, as God incarnate, uh, demonstrating that in his interactions with people. So sure. God, it, we, we do not dismiss that. The Bible says that God is love, but... It's not all that he is. No. And, and so we, we look back in scripture and what we see is we see these instances of God being gracious and kind and pouring out blessings. We also see instances of God pouring out wrath, right? right. And punishing the wicked. And so those two things can't be in conflict because God can't exist in conflict with himself. And so right. even though he is love, like you said, yes, he is also other things that primarily what what what's the primary thing that God is? Would you say? Well, first and foremost, the the emphasis overwhelmingly in the Bible is the holiness yes. of God. 
before God is any, it's in, in, in the book of Revelation and Isaiah, uh, the picture we have in heaven uh, is holy, holy, holy. Yeah. It's not love, love, love. Uh, now, that triune repetition mm-hmm. is, is very emphatic. And so before God is anything else, what I, what I mean is that if God's holiness and God's love met on a, a road, yeah. Uh, his love has to give way to his holiness. Right. And we and we see that, you know, we get some glimpses in the scripture about what judgment day might look like. And and when that unrepentant sinner, when that person who's never been uh, brought into Christ is faced with a holy God, his holiness wins over his love because that right. person is cast out, right? I mean, that's... And so if God's love were supreme, we could say, yeah, that he's not going to punish the wicked because his love's going to win out. But we so, know his holiness wins so, out. So, you know, you bring this up, you know, and so God is love. It, is God's love for us unconditional? Man, that's such a good question. What I mean, do we see that borne out in Scripture? I mean, we do see different Scriptures this is about— a weird, it's, it's, it's a trap question because the, I, I think that the answer becomes yes and no. Yeah. Because um, you can point out scriptures on either side, right? right. You can Proverbs, point out that- I, I think there's seven or eight Proverbs, mm-hmm. right? God hates those that sow seed of discord. God uh, hates those that shed innocent blood. Right. Um, and, and so we have this saying, you know, God hates the sin and loves the sinner. And that's true and false. Yeah. Uh, because of this, because of this, and this is kind of what I was getting to, God is the only being that can perfectly love and perfectly hate at the same time. Yeah. I don't understand that. I don't, I don't either. I don't think that we can wrap our heads around it. I, there are people who, uh, you know, I've had a love-hate relationship with, but at best it's a cyclical thing. You know, you feel the love at one moment, you're trying to treat them with love, they burn you, and then you find yourself leaning more toward the hate end of things. And so none of those things is a perfect love or a perfect hate, but if maybe God can, can do both of those things at once. And we, we have to think that's got to be true because, because the scripture does not contradict the scripture. Right. And so if on the one hand, you've got a scripture that says God hates those who shed innocent blood. And on the other hand, you've got, you know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and God so loved the world. And My so- soul hates those who deal treacherously. You know, Jacob, I loved Esau. I hated so there's this definite example, but did God really hate, does God really hate murderers yeah. and uh, divisive people? Does he hate them? And the answer is yes and no. Yeah. It, it's not, he doesn't just hate the sin of divisiveness. This is, this is what we, ha- we have to take very seriously, the idea that his soul, Proverbs 5, his soul hates those that do these things. And I think it 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 falls a little but bit to them. our to our inability to really comprehend all that God but, is, and whatever God is, He is that perfectly, right? He is that altogether, and so I think that His His perfect love loves the sinner, and His perfect holiness hates the sinner. Yes, right? it's, it's yes, and and, and so it's, He doesn't just you can't. Here's here's the problem: you cannot logically, rationally separate sin from a sinner. No. You can't you can't make that distinction. So like I, I you know when when you really carry it through, God hates the sin and loves the sinner. That sounds really nice, uh, you know, to say, but you it it makes no sense. Be, you tell them tell them that in judgment. 
Yeah. Well, well, it wasn't, it's not really you that he hates. It was actually your sin, but now you depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Yeah. And we, we read that there are, you know, these different things that God hates, hands that shed innocent blood, these things that God despises. And then if we look at James, we see where that temptation comes from. You know, we're each carried away by our own temptation when right. we allow lust to be conceived in our hearts. You dig deep enough into why someone's doing what they're doing, it's because they want to. And that's a heart right. problem. That's about who they are as a person. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think you can really separate those, those no, you, two things. No, you can't separate them. So um, Now, that doesn't mean that because somebody does a sinful thing, so, they're a total loss, so, right? So I mean, it's, Can we talk about how the, how his love still works and, and works through, through that and in spite of that? Because there is the idea that God loves us in spite of us. Yeah. And I think it's this idea. So, like, we have the idea of, like, philia love. It's like a brotherly mm-hmm. love, a family love even that, that we have. And the basis for that is somebody is my philia. Somebody is my brother. Yeah. Uh, I can't have philia love for somebody that's not in that. And, and that might speak of love we have together as brothers in Christ, mm-hmm. a philia love. But that's based on that. Agape love is a love that's not that doesn't have the the basis it doesn't have that that type of foundation god loves us with this uh love because we are his creation yeah he loves us in spite of us he loves and and there's nothing we can do Mm -hmm. to earn his love yeah that's right and and i think that we have to be able to understand that god's amazing all-encompassing love for us even though he simultaneously uh hates the sinner. He also loves the sinner and he's in, and right. he's in pursuit of us. But what the way that that's resolved is he's offered us salvation. You know, you can choose to continue being that person that God hates, or you can, right. can accept the love that he's also throwing your way and, and, and be saved and turn from your sin and repent of those things. And so this is really tough because we've talked about how God can perfectly do these things simultaneously, but we can't. Right, we're we're human beings. No, I can't love and hate and, somebody. And at, so, at, at least I I don't I don't think we can. Um, so if we take everything together here, and we we talk about what love isn't and what love is, and how how God's love works, how do we as the church demonstrate that? I well, mean, how are we supposed to love as Christ loves as when we're just human beings? Well, and how do we love? You know, you take a church, and you know we're we're at a church, Matt. You know, and, and a, a wonderful church. Full of wonderful people. Yeah. Any church is going to have some people. Right. That are difficult to love. Uh, you care to give any names? I, I would not. Okay. In fact, I, I, I can't imagine that being the case. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is, but there are always, you know, anybody listening absolutely knows there are people that are difficult to love and maybe someone's thinking, yeah, you. Yeah, right. <laughs> you it's know. Us. It's us. <laughs> there are, That's why we can't think of anyone. There are people that are difficult to love. There are people that... They're people that we don't like. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I can't love them. Yeah. And that's good news because if we were called to, if we were commanded to emotionally love everyone, I would be toast, man. Because Or, or even like everybody. Yeah, right. Because it is difficult like, with people, but we can treat there are them are people with love. I love. There are people I love and like. Yeah. There are some people I struggle to love. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because I don't like them very much. And so- so maybe that's the basis. So we, we talk about how do we demonstrate love? Well, first of all, we should be patient with people, right? Wow. We don't do what we feel like doing. Um, and that's, I mean, well, that's what grace first. means is, is not getting what we deserve. And so maybe the first way that we demonstrate love for people is not giving them what we think they deserve. Um, 
I, I think so. And, and, and over and over, this bears out. Yeah. That uh, it bears out love being a primary attribute for us. I still think holiness is our, should be our primary goal. Yeah. But, you know, like over and over, like there'll be these calls for like the adding these attributes, right? Adding mm-hmm. these godly attributes. And over all these things, put on love, yeah. which binds them all together in perfect unity. Right. Um, and, and so love should be primary for us, you know, yeah. uh, in, in our uh, display towards one another. Yeah. And that starts with being patient. And, you know, I, I might encounter six people a day, especially if I go to Walmart, who I think deserve a knuckle sandwich. But if I'm going to love them, I'm not going to give them what I think they deserve. I'm going to be patient with them. You know, the, the interesting thing to me is, you know, we've talked about love and holiness and those two converging. Yeah. Uh, as an important thing, and and uh, how that's true of God, it's true of us because, as far as I understand, the only things that the Bible talks about identifying us uniquely as Christians are our love and our holiness. Yeah, uh, you know, and all the time people, I've heard a lot of times people will mention what Jesus said: "They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another." That's yeah. absolutely true. But but the Bible also over and over again, you know, speaks about you know they will they will see you by your I'd be identify you by your fruit or. Yeah. By your character, they think it's strange that you don't jump in with them in the same flood of dissipation. Mm-hmm. So over and over again, it's this idea: Hey, people notice something different about your holy conduct, right? And people notice something different about your loving action towards one another. Yeah, and so that's yeah, that's one way we love people is to be that example for them, yeah, and, and kind of lead them in the right direction. And and then I kind of mentioned a second ago about not giving people what they might deserve, but it has to go beyond that. You know, the golden rule, this thing that Jesus taught was treat others as you'd like to be treated. And we've heard that messed up by the world into, well, don't do things to people that you don't want them to do to you. But, but love has to, it goes beyond, it's a positive action. So we we treat them kindly. To modern, modern times, how do we demonstrate this in a way that's unique you know, uh, you know, the sacrificial giving, because there are, the world does some of that. Yeah. The world sacrificially gives to charities. They see somebody in need and and, and they, but how, how do we live in a way where someone steps into the church and they say, I, this is different. Yeah. A couple of things, it has to be indiscriminatory. It does. Right. Like I love you, even though you're weird. Yeah. Uh, I love you, even though you're broken, cast off and rejected by the world. Right. I, I love you uh, in spite of you oftentimes. You know, I'm, I'm patient, forgiving, and gracious to you. Yeah. I think there's some different things that go into that. Uh, first of all, maybe it's consistency. You know, some people give to charity, but it doesn't define them. You know, that, that kind of love is something they do here and there, but is it who they are? Is it the way that they approach every interaction with people? And I think we have to be consistent. I think that's part of what makes it something supernatural. I think that's part of what demonstrates that we're different is doing it all the time. And I know we're not going to be perfect, but I think we should strive to treat everyone with love. And like you're saying, it can't be uh, dependent on, you know, how that person is treating us. Well, or what about our compassion or- and, and, and things I read a book by a, a guy, my name was Stark. I think it was called like The Rise of Christianity. He talked about how Christianity grew and multiplied so quickly right. over the first uh, several centuries. And he talked about, in, in one of these chapters, he talked about the, like, the emergence of like the plague and some of these other uh, things that swept through the world and how the church was notoriously there yeah. in those moments, right? They were there uh, caring for the sick. They were there 
caring for their own. So by their compassion, like the, the world didn't have anybody that would go into, you know, and care for their hurting. But when, uh-huh. when, when their brothers and sisters in Christ were, were sick and dying, they cared and they were and and, and death rate was less because of that yeah. care and other things, but it was a danger. I guess my point is this, this type of love is dangerous. Sure. I mean, there's no way that you can go out there and love people like this without making yourself vulnerable. And, and, and listen, the world Selfless. being the world, you are going to get hurt. It's not a question of, you know, while you open yourself up like that, you might get hurt. You will get hurt. You, you are going to get hurt. You and, get taken advantage and so of. Part of the trick is continuing to love that person even as they're hurting you. You know, Christ on the cross, he cried out, forgive yeah. them. They know not what they do. It wasn't like they did it and then afterwards he forgave them. They were continuing to hurt him in that moment. They had every intention of finishing the job. They weren't going to stop hurting them. And even in that moment, he loved them. Right. And so And that doesn't mean we can't have boundaries. It doesn't mean we don't we sure. don't, we don't we're not it doesn't mean we're called to be doormats. Right. Uh, but I do it, it doesn't mean we don't guard and protect our hearts yes. uh, from from people that we know are gonna hurt. We've talked about this before. Yeah. But we can't make ourselves completely safe if we're gonna love people. I mean it, well, love it does is, carry a chance of love's an incredibly dangerous even for even in the world, you know, you yeah. choose to get married and you're choosing the potential of hurt. Yeah. You know, you're you know, you know, you get married. So one of you is going to die. Right. One of you, they could, they could break your heart. They could hurt. You know, and and so Christian love should be vulnerable. Yeah. And and it's and it's directing it, maybe intentionally at people who, you know, are are maybe an enemy or are hostile because right. you know Jesus talked about even even the tax collectors love their family. You know, like even these people who were yeah. considered despicable then they loved the people who loved them back. That anyone does that. That's not special. Um, what's special is loving people who hate us and, and and being kind to them. And so beyond just being kind and treating people well and, and treating them with dignity and respect and all these things that should be commonplace and aren't in Sacrifi- our world. Sacrificing um, financially or right. time, time. But there's also there's also the way we approach sin. And and so this is, I think, is really where Christians fall short because we because we've bought in largely to the world's definition of love. We don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. We don't want to make anyone feel bad. You know, we think that if you call out a sin that you're being judgmental or whatever, it's this very negative thing. And yet if if God's our example, if Jesus is our example, he he didn't shy away from pointing those things out because how how do we get people to Christ if we can't convince them that they're lost? And and what basis do we have for saying that they're lost if there's no sin? We have to be able to point that Truth out. Truth is the basis. Correct. But uh, but very, very oftentimes, we're not willing to do that because we've bought this idea that love means not ever hurting anyone's feelings or right. stepping on their toes. Or, or love or, blinds us, or, or, or what we think is love blinds us to the truth. Right. Right. I love, I love grandma. Right. So I don't want to view grandma. I'm going to walk around with blinders. I don't want to view her as being wrong. Well, so here's what I see happen is is because we've exchanged the the real definition of love for a false one. We we are accused oftentimes. Okay, so you don't think a man should marry another man? That's hateful because you're against right, you know love. Speech. And then and then there's some of us who say, man, they're right. That's not loving of me. I shouldn't be that way. I should. So now I've got to look to the scripture and find a way to rationalize being permissive of these things that that God has clearly spoken against. And and. And I'm telling you, if we love people and we believe there's a God in heaven and that he is holy and that he is going to punish people based on these things he has promised to punish people based on, 
and we don't say anything to deter them. We don't point that truth out to them. That's the most hateful thing we could do. That's not yeah. loving. It's not, it's not loving. And so it's, and, and like I said, we know this, we, we wouldn't get a lot of pushback if we went to a loved one and said, look, you've got a drug problem. I love you. Or you've got an alcohol problem. Look at the hurt it's causing in your family. Look at the way it's mm-hmm. making you sick inside. But if we, if we take those same ideas and apply that to you know, homosexuality or some of these things that people struggle with that we can see makes people sick inside there. There's a sin that destroys lives. There's hurt in families because of, because of that on the one, the alcohol side, we'd be supported in what we were saying. Whereas if we address these other things, we'd be accused of being hateful. And we've seen that with church discipline, right? How, you know, that's not rooted. It's not like punitive, right? It's not about punishing. Right. It's about correcting and bringing back. Because we love them too much to stay silent. Yeah. Because we, the loving action, the real loving action is not tolerance in that case. The oh. real loving action, because we've been there, Matt. We've had to deal with issues in, 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 in the church with, with personal sin in the yeah. church. And there and there's this war in my own mind that's like, man, I don't, I don't want to cause this conflict. It's hard for me to... Yeah hurt someone like this and and they might you know this might have fallout but love has to win the day yeah on on that i love them too much to stay uh to just let them continue in that yeah and, and love is hard that's why love it's hard it to is do that hard. and I, i've you know i've used this example before um but you know i've i've been a registered nurse for like 10 10 12 years and We'd have people who we cared for who were on like a fluid restriction. Their kidneys are bad. If they have too much to drink in a day, it will make them very sick and they will eventually die. And so it's not much fluid they're allowed to have. And so you've got someone who's in some cases literally crying for a drink of water and you know you can't give them anymore. That feels awful. That feels cruel. I'm withholding water from this person. They're in tears. What feels kind is to give them some water, but my kindness could kill them. And so there are times when we have to do something for someone's own good that is temporarily hurtful to them. But we know that overall it's for their best interest. It's for their well-being. It's just like if you've got a bone that breaks and it heals badly, they've got to break it to set it properly. That's a painful thing, but it's, it's necessary. And so I think we have to respond to sin with that idea of, you know, sometimes love means, saying something that's going to hurt someone's yeah. feelings. And, and, and to reiterate, we, we speak the truth in love. Yeah, be and kind, but... It doesn't say speak in love. It says speak the truth in love. And it doesn't say speak the truth. It says speak the truth in love. Yeah. And to leave one part of that out uh, is equally detrimental. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not m- more mature to speak, in, to speak lovingly yeah. without the truth. And it's not more mature to speak... Right. Because you no. hear people, you know, like, oh, I just believe in calling it like it is and I'm yeah, a that, straight shooter. You know, you're just giving yourself you're just rash. You know, to you're, be mean, right? Yeah, that's that, that's wrong. Yeah, it is. It's, and it needs to be repented of. It's not, you know, being brash is is oftentimes unloving. Yeah. And I think we see like one extreme or the other. We We either see Christians who are too soft hearted to point out when someone's in the wrong and, and and really we're just letting them remain lost. And if we care about them, we wouldn't, yeah. or, or they're fed up with doing that. And so they come out guns a blazing and they say mean stuff to people. Well, I think that's you know, the, you know, that's the, the truth's oftentimes in the center, uh, you know, finding that, that balance, finding that way to do that. You know, we, we might create false dichotomy. Yeah. Right. Well, I don't, I don't want to be unloving and I don't want to be harsh. You know, well, you don't have to compromise either. 
Yeah. We don't have to compromise truth or love. No, we don't. And, and I think there's this very logical, common sense sort of basis for this. You know, if, if, if you and I are in the car and you're going 70 miles an hour and I spot a speed limit sign that says 50 and I say, hey, man, you're, you're speeding. If you get caught, you're going to get in trouble. Your, your response is not going to be, man, that was the most hateful thing I've ever heard. You must hate me as a person. That was mean for you to say. I'm just letting you know. Right. That you're in violation of the rules. And if, if you don't correct what you're doing, there's going to be a penalty because I care about you and I don't want you to get a ticket. Right. I mean, so, so, th- so that's our motivation for evangelism. Yes. Our, our motivation for evangelism, for, for speaking to people who are outside of Christ, it's not pointing the finger because we're mad or angry or hate. Yeah. It's rooted in, a, in, in love. And if, if, if his love does not compel me, then I don't know what will. Yeah, exactly right. And, and listen, I know there's lots of folks out there who identify as Christians, to use the terminology that we like to use now, um, who do this all wrong, right? And they come out and they point out sin in a way that's mean, and it is super harsh and judgmental. And really, it's just about making them look better than you. I get it. And I know, you know, maybe some of you who are listening to this have been hurt by someone who's acted that way. That's never been the message of Christ. That's never been the way that we're supposed to confront these things. We care about you. We want to point out, you know, sometimes when we're when we've become lost, so that you can be saved. Right. It's always about restoring. It's always about bringing people to Christ. It's never about pointing out lostness just to point it out. Right. And 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 and, and please don't discount truth if you don't see the love that's there. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make something untrue. Sure. Just because something's not presented lovingly doesn't make the th- make the thing in itself. Un- now it might make it hard to receive. It is, uh, but it doesn't make it untrue in it in, in itself. And and I hope I hope people see this. And 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 me anytime I preach or have a a conversation, I hope they can see uh, my my love through the hard truth. Yeah, I hope I hope I hope that's you know very clear. Um, and maybe we have to, you know, I know we've said that we can't perfectly emulate God in the way that he simultaneously hates and loves, but maybe we strive for that. You know, maybe we see somebody who is just really, in our minds, the worst of the worst, whatever whatever gets to us and, and we say, man, that's just awful that they would be that way. But even as we're looking at that person and saying, man, that's an awful person, we should also at the same time be saying, that's a person that was made in God's image. They have a soul. They need yeah. Jesus, you know, like, so, so maybe we can strive for that in our own lives. And I really think, I mean, there is no better example of God showing us what that looks like than the cross. I, and I think that's where it's at. I think the cross is a demonstration. Yeah. It's a demonstration of his love. Uh, you know, Romans 5, 8, you know, mm-hmm. God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were yet, but it's also a demonstration of holiness and love converging. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's a demonstration of that, that hate and love converging, right? There's no doubt. God said over and over, this is my son who am I, I'm well pleased with, right? right. So he, loved, he loves Jesus. We, we, we don't doubt that he loves Jesus. And yet the scripture tells us that he was pleased to crush him, yeah. right? That, that satisfied that hatred of sin, that satisfied that wrath of God. And, so, and he was pleased, but yet, but yet, but yet broken. Yeah, right. Uh, o- o- Simultaneously. Over it. O- over it and... Uh, you know, I, I think I, I heard someone describe it this way, that the cross is an arrangement, that the love of God made with the holiness of God. 
And I think that's an accurate picture of, of what, what went on in the mind of God on the cross. That's really good. Is, is, that, is that his love and his holiness, because his holiness demands yes. that, that, that he is in hot pursuit. His wrath is in hot pursuit of man because of sin. Yeah. But his love is in hot pursuit of us because he wants to save us. Absolutely. So how do they reconcile? Yeah. The only way, and I think Romans identifies this, that it's through the cross that he became just and justifier. Yeah. Or he became, and another way to say that is he, he maintained his holiness and justness and his love all at the same time. Yeah. Which is incredible. How does God not compromise his holy character through the cross? Yeah. Because, because Christ paid that price for us. And, and, you know, we hear people talk about, you know, when we're, when we're baptized into Christ, when we become a Christian, it's just as if we'd never sinned, but really it's just as if we'd paid the price. Right, because right? he paid the price for us, and so yeah, I, the cross is the difference. We talked about, you know, when the unrepentant sinner stands before God, his holiness wins. But the cross is what allows his holiness to step aside and let his love win in that moment. Right. So if we're under the blood of Jesus, it's his love that's going to win out on that last day, um, because his holiness has been satisfied by what mm. Christ did on the cross. And so the the the, the very best example of love that we can give is to be just as passionate and just as driven to save the lost as Christ was that to the lengths that he went to, to save us are unthinkable to us. And how can we demonstrate that we love like he loves if we don't care enough to reach out to lost people. And and that comes back to having the courage to do yep. what's best for them. And that comes back to understanding what truth is and what that means for our lives. You know, all these things are sort of interdependent on each they other. They are. Um, and, to leave, and to leave them out, to leave one one aspect of that out, will help, will cause you to miss the picture. Yeah, and, and we can't miss this because, you know, the scripture tells us that you know it, it doesn't matter what we do in the kingdom if we don't have love, we're nothing. So here's the thing, Matt, kind of to bring towards a towards a close. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think there would be a time where I thought that this idea, the concept of of love, was the most elementary and simple of all. The thoughts and, and, and teaching foundational, and I, I think it is. There, there, there's this case. You know, we talk about these weird, you know, things that are true and false at the same time, love and hate the same. The idea of love is simple but hard. Yeah, simple and complicated and deep. Right, because we grow in love. Yeah, we're not there yet. No, we're not, and it's something that we have to. Just like anything that we have to do, that's volitional. You have to practice it. You have to practice and, this day in and day out. And this is a. You know, uh, you know, we we kind of pinned this out and, and kind of outlined what we were going to talk about, and we started to kind of see that that love is a deep, profound concept. Yeah, it's it's profound in the nature of God, and it's profound in our uh, own nature. It, it's a, it's a profound concept. It's yeah. not just this simple. If we reduce it to emotion, we are simp- oversimplifying. Yeah. Love. We're, we're, that, that's, that's, that's like digging one layer of dirt out rather than digging a hole. Sure. And, and I think a big problem that the world has is that there's any number of people out there trying to tell everyone what love is, and they're wrong about it. And, and, and so as Christians, we ought to understand love and demonstrate yeah. love and, and provide that contrast. Show people the truth and show people what it really looks like to love people like Christ loves us. Um, we absolutely have to be doing that. We have to be doing that. And that means going back to the source and going to the word and finding out what that looks like and trying to model that in our own lives. 
Um, it's absolutely central to, to our walk with Christ. So I think that's about all the time we have for this. I kind of wish we had more time because yeah. it is such a deep subject. This is a, a wonderful subject. Um, so yeah, we really appreciate you all listening. As always, we hope that you'll comment, uh, whatever, whatever platform you're listening on, please give us a shout out. Tell us what you think. Uh, if you happen to be one of those unfortunate who has to see us in real life, you know, tell us your thoughts about it when we see you. Uh, you can find the podcast and some other sermons and lessons on our website at lakemountchurchofchrist.org. Uh, you can also find us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, you know, Amazon, all, yep. all that stuff, all different places. Uh, we'll put links up to everything on our Facebook page. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you all next time. Mm-hmm.